Hi, I'm Amber and welcome to the Lone Star Keto podcast. Today we have a special guest with us, Jonathan Shane. He is a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. He's also the founder of Keto Road and also the host of the podcast, The Road. Welcome, Jonathan. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to dive in today. Absolutely. I can't wait to hear your story and everything that you've been up to. I, I follow Jonathan a lot and he puts out great stuff and his, him and his wife are expecting. That's so exciting. I want to talk a little bit about that. That's very exciting. But let's start with your background. I want to know a little bit about your health journey and how you got to where you are now. Oh yeah, for sure. So um, it kind of started off when I was 14. Um, I was 260 pounds back, backstory there quickly. Um, I just grew up kind of watching my mom deal with stresses of life. You know, she was single mom trying to care for her kid and, you know, working through that and just everything that comes with it. And so emotional eating was something she picked up on and it's something I picked up on. And so fast forward, you know, 14 years old, 260 pounds. Um, my doctor told me that I might die uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, just because like my cholesterol was crazy. I had a 50 inch waist. That was huge for a 14 year old. That was huge. Um, and so I, but th- something in me like got ignited and like that, I remember that day I went home and I ran like two miles. I made myself throw up and pass out. Like, I remember this whole like thing. Like, I'll never forget it. Like step by step. And it just set me on this trajectory of like fat loss. And within a year I lost like a hundred pounds. Um, oh. But I did it the real bro sciencey way, right? So like I cut all the fat <laughs> out of my diet. I mean, literally my diet was Captain Crunch, skim milk, fat-free ranch, spinach leaves, and chicken breast. That's literally all I ate for like a year straight. Um, and so I lost all the weight, but with those hormonal things, I was going through puberty too. So like all of that coming and going, like, uh, you know, obviously hunger hormones were all over the place. I didn't know it at the mm-hmm. time, but it led to me start starting to have a lot of craving and, and binge tendencies and impulses mm-hmm. and that along with the emotional eating started to become an issue. Um, and so I found myself in a weird place of, you know, people were starting to be nice to me. You know, I was starting to date more, you know, I was skinny and lean and, you know, it's unfortunately society, uh, while I don't think obese is like something that you should stay in, I do think that people should be accepted for where they're at, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just not how society works, unfortunately. And so um, I associated being skinny with being accepted in society. And so I was willing to hurt myself to maintain that. And so up came my bulimia, um, struggle with bulimia from the time I was 15 until about two years ago is when was when my last relapse was. Um, and I mean, it got bad. It got to the point where I was throwing up blood. There were days I couldn't like drink fluids in the morning because the scar tissue hurt so bad. Um, and it was just, yeah, it, it just got really, really bad. So then my parents found out and, um, that was really, really embarrassing. Cause then it was weird. Cause like I would go to the bathroom and then come back out and they would like talk to me and smell my breath to see if they could smell throw up. Like, and I knew what they were doing, but they wouldn't ever say it. It was just like, it was so, so awkward. Um, but I really wanted to actively start working on it. I found my faith when I was 16 and that kind of helped me really because they found out when I was 16. And so I really started to try at least actively working on it, like realizing, okay, my body has worth, right? I don't, I shouldn't lose weight just to be skinny and be like, I should, I should be healthy because I should be healthy. And so try, and then, so then started the journey of like trying to define what that looked like. And I still struggled. I relapsed on my bulimia, even into my marriage. I got married when I was 20. Um, you know, and, and I would, uh, you know, have episodes and my wife would find it and it was embarrassing, but I was constantly trying to search and figure out the answer. Right. And during one of my yo-yo dieting phases, um, in the 
fall of 2017, I fell upon the keto diet. I had tried it once before back when like the original keto bar came out and it went terrible. I, I knew nothing about electrolytes and any of that. Um, so it was like just miserable. I was like, this is not my diet. But then I found some videos about electrolytes this time around, tried it, felt great. Um, and then I had one cheat day in October and then I had Christmas cookies, Christmas Eve of 2017. And I woke up feeling terrible both times. And so after Christmas of 2017, I said, I'm never going back to a standard American diet ever. And I haven't looked back since. Wow. Yeah. That, that's, that's a pretty good little journey right there. Um, can we talk a little bit more about the bulimia? Mm -hmm. And I think you probably already know that I suffered from that too. And I was about the same age as you. Um, but of course I, I was a female mm -hmm. and in an odd way, it was almost like this accepted thing within my peer group uh, of girls. And matter of fact, my best friend at that time was doing it. And it, it kind of made me go, oh, wow, I could have what I want and not have to worry about it. So that's, that's what kind of got me started anyway. But as a female, it, it, it was kind of in an odd way accepted. What was it like for a male to me that seems like it would be more of a um I don't know a stigma I, I'm not sure what the right word would be but a, a lot harder on some a male than a female um yeah so it was man it's actually no one's ever asked that question when I actually think about like I can talk about like what it's like being a man talking about it but mm -hmm. when I was when I was going through it and it's worse I didn't no one knew like it was just me like I didn't it's not like I told my best friends about it mm -hmm. like it was an isolated habit um, that no one knew about. And I think that, you know, and, and granted, I'm, I'm not saying that it's not more dangerous for men to have bulimia than women. I think it's dangerous mm -hmm. for any human being mm -hmm. to struggle with this d disease, this disorder. But for men, I feel like there's so much more danger because it is something that is not manly, right? And it's kind of embarrassing. Mm -hmm. And so like, you do not talk about it. It mm -hmm. is a fight that you fight alone. For a lot of people, there are so many men out there that struggle with things like this and they feel so unmanly or unmasculine to come out and talk about it. And so, I mean, until my parents found out, no one knew. And honestly, I didn't start. The, so the only person outside of my parents that found out later was uh, was my wife. Um, and then after that, most men, most of my friends in my life didn't start to find out that I had bulimia until two years ago when I started actively talking about it. So, I mean, I mm -hmm. went through the first, I don't know, six years of the eight years that I've had bulimia. No one knew about it outside of people that found out through like th finding throw up on the toilet or something. Wow. Yeah. You know, mine was very secretive too, except for within the tight little group of, of girls that were doing this in my high school, but my family didn't know. And I hid that. And it was actually my boyfriend, who is now my husband, that figured it out. And he was the one that made me stop. So, like, how did that work for you? You, you said your parents found out. Is that correct? And like, how did how did you go about dealing with this? I mean, because some people, they have to go to recovery like anything else. Did you have to do that? I did not. Um, and I've heard some 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 terror stories about eating disorder therapists. So I'm kind of glad I didn't. Me but too. Some people, some people might need that. I did not need it, although I was in a place that my mom had every right to throw me in one because like 
I got skinny. Like I'm five, I was five eleven, six foot. And I went from like, I was 260 at my heaviest. I got down to like 190. And then at my smallest with my bulimia, I was like 165, 170. Like, and that's skin and bones for someone my height. Um, and, um, you know, like I said, I was throwing up blood at times. There were times I couldn't eat because my throat hurt so bad. I would, I wouldn't be able to get out of bed some mornings because my stomach was so twisted. Like I was hurting myself. So my mom had every right to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. but she did not for whatever reason, she trusted that I was going to get my craft together. Um, so they found out and it was embarrassing that they found out, but I still, Mm -hmm. I still did it. Like I still found ways around it. Like I would throw up in bags and then throw it in the trash can and went to take out the trash. Um, I would, uh, there were, so how my mom found out was there were rocks in my backyard and I would throw up under the rocks and then shut the rocks on it. And my dogs found it. And that's how my mom found my throat for the first time. Wow. Uh, and so what I started doing was I started throwing up in the shower. So I would throw up in the shower mm. and put it down the drain. Um, like, man, uh, crazy things I would try to do. So my parents, it was embarrassing. And it was kind of a realization that, okay, this is wrong. But at that point, I was so addicted to the rush of doing mm-hmm. it. Past, mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing people don't understand. Like, like at first you're doing it because you're uncomfortable in your skin and you don't accept mm-hmm. who you are and body dysmorphia might be an issue there, but it becomes an addiction. Like you get addicted to that adrenaline rush of like throwing up and feeling the relief. And then all of a sudden your adrenal shoot cortisol. Cause like you're in a stressful mm-hmm. state, and, like your head gets lightheaded. Like you go through this whole thing. It literally becomes like taking a hit of a drug almost. Um, and so I was, I knew it was wrong at that point and it was awkward, but like I was addicted to, to having that satisfaction mm-hmm. quote unquote one thing that really helped was my faith right so like I, I became born again christian when i was 16 right like I, I went to a bible study and you know i was told the whole spiel you know about how like because of my decisions you know i was separated from god jesus died for my sins and i i decided to accept that and give my life to that and it really did change me like i woke up the next morning like with a new perspective on things it was really weird um amazing but weird uh, from like a human perspective um, because like, I felt different. Like I realized, like I, I had this like weird sense of worth about myself and that really helped. Like it cut my, it, so like when my mom, when my parents, I was doing it every day. Like I was throwing up in the bathroom at school. I was throwing up at home. I was throwing up wherever, um, throwing up salads, whatever. And then when my parents found out it kind of, I pulled back on it. It was maybe three or four times a week whenever I got triggered or I'd eat something or whatever. Cause I was still struggling with the binging because of the hormones and stuff. Um, and then when I got saved, it kind of cut down to like once every couple months, like I would do good for a couple months and then I would relapse. And then that went on from time I was 17, 16, 17 until, um, until about two years ago, like every like three or four months, I would just have a bad day. I would have a bad binge and I would make myself throw up. And then I might make myself throw up again for a couple more days after that. And then, you know, I'd go back and I'd have like a four month win streak. And so that the, the faith really gave me a foundation, but what really helped, and I think this is the important part, because I think that with or without having a faith base, this is the thing that needs to be addressed is two years ago when I had a relapse after being keto for nine months, I was like, whoa, because keto helped me the longest I had went without making myself throw up it, since before I started throwing up. Like I went nine months without puking um, and I made myself do it after during a reverse diet for my first bodybuilding prep. And, um, when I did it, I was like, Whoa, okay, I need to figure this out. And so what I realized was that bulimia was a manifestation of a deeper issue. And the deeper issue was my body dysmorphia. And that's when I found out what body dysmorphia was, um, hashtag keto coach Lauren, she helped me, her talking about it made me dig into it. And I was like, 
And it wasn't even like, it wasn't even like, maybe I have this. Okay. No, like I was reading the, 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 the symptoms and I was like, dude, I, my body, my life for the past 10 years screams body dysmorphia. Like I couldn't ignore it. Um, and so what I had to do is I had to not relapsing on my bulimia was like trimming the branches of a tree and I had to dig the roots out. Right. Cause like the tree can always grow branches back. So I had to take the tree out of my ground um, and the, and the tree, the roots of the tree were this lie that like, unless I was a certain weight and I looked a certain way and I was able to control my food intake, then I was this ugly fat piece of crap. And I had to replace that with the truth that, you know, loving myself and caring for myself and, and being healthy um, is not the same thing as trying to quote unquote, look societally healthy and look like, you know, ripped or lean or, or, you know, and if people don't accept me the way I am, then they're not really my friends and they're not worth my time, but I had to learn that self-confidence. And so that really started in September of 2017. And I, and then that's when I started speaking out about it on social media. That's when I started keto coaching. And that became kind of like what I helped people wrestle with outside of just weight loss. Um, and then it's progressed since then. And I haven't relapsed since. That's awesome. And, and what you're saying is so incredibly true. Do you like with the body dysmorphia, generally there is a reason for that. Like something has triggered you. Like for me, it was, it started in fifth grade when I started to develop and I got made fun of for it. And so I thought there was something wrong with my body. And at that time I wasn't really, uh, I was a normal child. I had a, a real round face, but I was normal weight and everything for a child. I wasn't the skinny kid, but, um, but I started to develop. So therefore I was fat. And so I got teased and that set the tone for the rest of my life, you know, and did something like that happen to you? Like, can you pinpoint uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I was bullied hard in school. Um, like from the time I was in fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade until, until like my sophomore year of high school, I was bullied hard. I mean, I got made fun of about everything. Like um, it would be, um, you know, my, my weight, my hair, Somebody would find out something about my life and make fun of me. Um, I would try to, I remember one time, cause like my mom couldn't afford, you know, she got me what I needed, right? She was amazing at that, but she never got me. She didn't always get me what I wanted, which was fine. I shouldn't get all that I want. But I remember one time there was a pair of Jordans at Walmart and I was so excited to have Jordans like my friends, but they were fake because they were at Walmart. I didn't know, but I bought them and I was so excited. I was so proud oh. and I got tore up when I got to school. And, you know, and then things like that. And then when you're overweight, um, when, when you're a man, oh, this is something I've never said on a podcast. Oh, this is going to be real. Um, when you're a man and you're overweight, especially when you're still developing in those areas, um, it tends to cover and shroud uh, the male reproductive system quite well. And so I got made fun mm. of for that. And so that was always an issue. Mm. Um, and that, and that followed me after, I mean, after I lost weight that people would still bring up the way it used to be. And it was, um, especially like in the football locker room. Cause you know, you all take showers together. It's like a thing. Um, and uh, don't worry, we all use separate shower heads, people, <laughs> but, um, you know, so like I, I was constantly berated. Um, and so I think, I think it was just years of being that. And so when I lost the weight and a lot of those jokes went away, that was such a powerful, like, I can't gain weight. And so like, and so I think that 
that those traumatic experiences plus there was a lot of stuff that happened with like my family that was traumatic and a sense of acceptance from like my my dad and stuff when I was younger we're good now but back then my perception of things was very distorted and so it led to me feeling a certain way about things um and so like I was constantly looking for acceptance and so if I didn't feel like I was in a place that that acceptance was warranted then I felt fat and ugly so like I would get on, and I think this is like where the actual, because I think people with body dysmorphia, I think what they think is like, I get on the scale and like, you know, I just think I'm fat. And so I'm fat, right? But that's not what it is. Like (laughs) I I get on, if I'm having like a bad episode, like let's say like, and we can go into the things that I do nutritionally to like keep keep my mood hormones good, my neurotransmitters good. But like, let's say like, I'm not doing that. And like my serotonin's down, my dopamine's down. I'm just, and I'm not getting enough vitamin D, whatever. And I step on the scale and I'm three pounds up and I'm just really negative, I can look in the mirror and I like to myself, I perceive that I am fatter, even though nothing's changed. Like it is weird. Um, and it's something that it's a neurological disorder that grows over time. Cause at first it probably wasn't like that. At first I probably gained a pound and I look in the mirror and go, I don't know, am I kind of chubby? But then like you focus on it and then you get really negative. And then eventually your brain starts to distort what you see. And I mean, that's what body dysmorphia is, right? Like it's, it's a dysmorphic view of yourself um, like anorexic people have body dysmorphia. Like they, a lot of them, some of them, maybe not, maybe some of them d- look at themselves and they just feel fat, but there are a lot of them that even though they look so sick to us, they're looking in the mirror and they think they look fat. Like it's not a joke to them. Like that's what they see. Um, and so I think that's what a lot of people don't understand that about that disorder. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. And so like the fat, and then the other one was like, um, for some reason, my arms, like my arms have always been a trigger point for me. Like I've always felt like I have small arms. And so like, I remember when I was in college, uh, there would be, de- there would be weeks. I would work out my arms like five, six times a week. Like the, the next morning I would cry trying to pick up a glass of water because I had worked out my arms so hard. Cause I would, I just thought they were so tiny. Um, and, uh, obviously they're, they're not, I know that now, but like, it was weird, man. Like I remember like there were times like I would take a photo like on Instagram and people are like, Oh, your arms look huge, dude. And I'd like look down and I'm like, with their twigs, right? I would see like this twig. Um, and it took me so long to like, take, like, like, like get a healthier perspective. And of course other things come into that. So yeah, I mean, I mean, to kind of explain, like, I think there were a lot of things over the course of a lot of years that compounded to triggering the buildup of, of what uh, I now, you know, actively try to fight. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I love that you're speaking out specifically because you're a man. I mean, I, I love anybody speaking out, but you know, it, you don't hear that very much from men because like you said, it, it does kind of has this manly like thing that you just don't do. Um, I'm not really sure why, but that's society for you. But okay, so you've done a lot of healing. You've done a lot of work. Now, my question is, when you look in the mirror now, what do you see? Oh, okay. Oh, that's a good question. So most of the time I look in the mirror and I see a man that has defied his own odds. I see a man that has built something from nothing. I see a man that has helped others build themselves. I see a man that is healthy, that is healthy, that can go run 10 miles whenever he wants. Um, you know, that can go to the gym and, and push heavy weight around whenever he wants, that eats healthy, that provides for his family, that's going to be a father, right? Like I see this amazing human that is capable of so much a a human that 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 god loves right like like that's what i see and it took so long (laughs) to get to that point like because i used to see a disgusting piece of crap and like 
And so most days, the person I see in the mirror is not someone that I would have recognized two years ago at all. Um, most of the time. Uh, I love that. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm in tears, but that makes me <laughs> so freaking happy. <laughs> I, I feel you from uh, the depths of my soul. I feel you. So I am just, I'm so, so happy where you're all right right now, because it's so hard to get to that place. And people don't understand that if they've not had to have the struggles that we've had, they don't understand it. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, major kudos for coming out and talking about it. And that's one thing that really attracted me to you is when I would see certain things like that. And I would be like, oh, wait, I need to pay attention now. Okay. Wow. This guy, he's, he's getting it, you know? And so I'm super happy about that. Okay. So let's talk just a little bit before we get into more in-depth stuff. Mm-hmm. You are, you and your wife are expecting. Let's talk a little bit about that. Okay. And um, it, like, what is your wife eating? How are y'all dealing with this whole thing? Like, what are your plans? I, I want to know all that good stuff. Okay. Yeah. So, so Ashley is, um, she was doing keto when she, when she first started, but we talked about it and, and understand that like, I do not dictate my wife's diet, right? Like she is her own human. And I think that's important for spouses that do keto to understand, like you can't like make them eat that way, but that also means that you can't encourage it. Right. So I know a lot of people that are on one or the other, either they're trying to force the keto diet down their throat or they're trying to, or they just don't care. They're like, hands up, you eat what I want. Let's make separate meals. Right. And I think there's a healthy balance. And so I've always been like that. When I first started keto, Ashley was completely against it. And then five months in, she decided to try it and she's never looked back. Um, But we sat and we talked and we decided that we understand that pregnancy comes with cravings. And while there are anti-nutrients in plants and fruit, I'm not denying those things. I think that our immune systems and our gut and all that have deserve the chance as we develop to learn how to fight off those anti-nutrients and actually enjoy the nutrients that is there. And I think there is, I think there is, um, there is positives to that. And so I told her, I said, listen, like, I want you to listen to your cravings, but I just want you to at least first try to find a natural remedy for it. And she was, and she, you know, she really took that upon herself. So she kind of opened up to more of what we would consider like a high fat paleo diet. So she eats sweet potatoes, she eats apples and peaches and like low carb fruit. Um, She doesn't eat white potatoes or rice or pasta. She never went back to that. But so like a day of eating for her, like she'd wake up and she'll have like coffee with some half and half. And she'll have eggs with butter and raw cheddar. Um, and then for lunch, she'll have a salad, um, maybe a couple cheese sticks, uh, maybe half a peach. And then she'll have like um, a chicken or maybe she'll, she'll make like a keto, like egg buffalo chicken casserole or something like that. She made homemade. Um, and then for dinner, she'll do like taco pie or we'll make like steaks or we'll have hamburgers without the bun. She still doesn't eat bread or anything like that. Um, and she might have like a sweet potato with it. And then for dinner or for dessert, she might have like, um, some too good yogurt with some heavy cream added, or she might do like um, a protein shake with some heavy cream added to it or something like that to get the fats up. So that's like what a day of eating for her looks like. And it has gone amazing. I could not have asked for a better, for a better pregnancy. Like I, you know, and it's hard to preach to your own family because we have other family members that are pregnant right now and they're having issues. And while, um, you know, it's not like we haven't had scares and things. I think every pregnancy has things where you're like, Ooh, you know, but like, Ashley's only thrown up once and it was not, it was not morning sickness. She just threw up because like a food made her nauseated. Um, I think it was like three weeks ago, but she, she never had morning sickness. Um, she never had like acne breakouts. She never had huge hormone dips. 
Um, Haley is in the 52nd percentile. So she's almost perfect in terms of growth size. Like she's a well-developed child, like kind of scary almost. Like when I see her, like I see her legs and her toes and I'm like, you should not have that much of a well-defined frame. You're only like 20 weeks old. Oh my gosh. Um, and so I could not have asked for a better pregnancy. Like, I think it's going well. I actually did her glucose test. Um, I posted about that on Instagram. She took the 50 grams of glucose and in, in an hour, her blood glucose dropped down. It, it was at a, it was at an 80 or yeah, like 80 something after 50 grams of pure sugar. Like the amount of insulin sensitivity that woman has being pregnant is nuts. Like not even like the exact opposite of gestational diabetes. And so I couldn't be happier. I think, I think she's killed it. That's awesome. So you've already named the baby. I love it. Yeah. 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 Her name is Haley Grace, Haley Grace Shane. Uh, we called her Haley because, um, she wanted, Ashley wanted a Lee at the end of the name. So it was going to be the Riley or Haley because Ashley's, yeah, Ashley's name is unique. So it's spelled A S H L E I G H not like, so Haley is H A L I E or E I G H. Right. So kind of like spelled like her mom. Um, so yeah, we named her Haley. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I, I, when it comes to plans for her, um, I kind of like the way Danny and Mama Vega do it, right? Like, you know, meat-based healthy fats. Um, but I'm not going to like, not let her, I'm not going to force her to eat any vegetables. Like if she says she doesn't like broccoli, then the girl doesn't like broccoli. I'm not going to make her eat her broccoli. Um, but if she wants some kind of veggie or fruit, I'm not going to stop her from having it. Um, I'm not going to like not make cakes for her, but I'll make sure that, you know, obviously they're made with like almond flour or some kind of other healthy alternative. And if it's sweetened, it's going to be sweetened with like, you know, uh, honey or maple syrup or coconut sugar or something that's not going to have some of the addictive hyper palatable properties. Right. Um, and of course it's going to be sparing like once a year or something like that, you know, on her birthday or, you know, whatever. Um, but I, so I, I want to make sure it's whole foods, but, and obviously I, I like the idea of like something Danny said was like, if, 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 it's, if we're using my money, these X foods aren't going to be in the house, but if you get an allowance and you decide to eat these, then that is your choice. Right. So I, I want to, cause I don't want to create an eating disorder where like, right. you know, I, I tell them no, no, no. And then they decide to eat a cupcake one day and they love it, even though it makes them feel like crap. And so they just like have like this secret eating disorder they can't tell their parents about you know i'd never want that so it's like that balance of like like getting them a foundational base of like whole healthy foods Mm -hmm. meat-based diet um and then empowering them to make their own food choices as they grow up because eventually you're not going to have control over anything and you want them to feel empowered before they get to that point so that it's a smooth transition right so that's kind of where I'm at with that. So you're saying you want them to be able to use their own head to think mm-hmm. and yes. make their own decisions. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. What a concept. I love I know. it. <laughs> no, but I think that, I think that's a, a really good approach personally. And oh God, I wished I would have known back when my kids were babies, what I know now. Mm-hmm. Um, ugh. Yeah, it's just it's it sickens me. But I mean, I didn't know what I didn't know. I believed the the BS, you know, that you're told. I I bought that, and you know, so so do so many people. So I think it's so important for what we do, you know, is to to kind of let them know maybe there's a different way if what you're doing isn't working. Mm-hmm. And you know, me trying it for forty years, I kind of figured out what wasn't really working. And speaking of that, let's go ahead and get into your approach to to diet diet as in what you eat not as in like weight watchers 
Um, you you kind of have a unique approach a little bit. You're you're not really carnivore. You're not really keto. You're kind of yeah, yeah yeah. So okay so the okay so backstory. So I did I did like keto whatever seventy five percent macros and then I started working with Robert Sykes for a bodybuilding prep and he took me up to eighty percent. So I got to do high fat for almost a year. Um, and then I did another prep and I started playing with like higher protein keto. So I've done that. Um, and, and all that. So higher fat, higher protein, I think both have their pros and cons as it pertains to keto bodybuilding, muscle preservation, muscle growth, energy, hormone building, like they all have their pros and cons. Um, but I got to the point where like, I felt like I was pretty metabolically flexible in the sense of like, I could eat 60% fat and 75% fat. And I didn't feel any different on either. Like I could hop back and forth whenever I wanted. So like, if I was really hungry and I wanted more food, I would just have a higher protein day. If I was feeling kind of groggy and I wanted more energy, I would just eat a higher fat day and I would just bounce back and forth. Um, so I did that for a while. And then after the end of my last bodybuilding prep, I decided to get into endurance training and I wanted to be, you know, I want, I want to qualify for Boston. Um, and this is a kind of a rabbit hole, but we can totally get into the science of it. <laughs> But basically I started running and everything was going fine. I was progressing well. Um, and then I stopped progressing and I started going backwards and my times and my runs got worse and my heart rate got worse and worse. And then eventually um, after a couple months of this, I kind of went over the edge. I fell over the edge and I started um, developing symptoms of what's known as UPS, which is unexplained underperformance syndrome. And basically it's where due to cortisol, chronic stress, chronic fatigue, and bad recovery, your central nervous system kind of bogs out on you. It happens a lot in endurance athletes. And mm. so you get like, you get depressive mood swings, your thyroid just freaks out. Um, you know, no matter if you eat a lot or eat a little, you don't lose or gain weight. You're in like this weird, like, like I could eat 3,500, which was my maintenance and not lose anything. And I could eat 2,500 and I wouldn't lose anything. Like my body was just at this weird stalemate where it didn't want even, it just wanted to like not move. It just wanted to freeze in time. Um, and then like chronic joint pain, um, there would be times I would go for a run and my heart rate would go from like my resting heart rate of like 70 or 60 and it would shoot up to like 200 and like, you're talking like, like 10 minutes, you're, like your heart's not even beating at that point. Right. Um, and so like, I had to like, I had two options really. Cause we tried, we tried high fat keto. We tried intermittent fasting. We tried high protein. We tried, um, I took, I took three day breaks. I took a week off. I mean, we literally, I tried every single thing I could and nothing was helping. And my fasting, my glucose was weird. I had a CGM on, I have all this data. I have a YouTube episode about it and stuff. I like, I show all these spreadsheets. Um, like I would wake up, so I would wake up, my fasting glucose would be like a hundred or like 98. And then I would run and my glucose would go from like 98. It would dip down to 40. And then I would eat strict keto, mind you. And it would shoot back up to a hundred or a hundred plus, And it would stay there all day. I remember there was one day I was driving to my family's house in Arkansas and I fasted all day. And my only meal was two keto bricks. That's eight. So my ratio was 85% fat. Like I woke up the next morning, my fasted blood glucose was 115. Whoa. Yeah. And then there was another night. I remember I looked at my CGM and at midnight, my blood sugar spiked to like 130 for like no reason. Um, <laughs> and so to kind of give a backstory, cause this kind of leads into what I'm doing now and why, because I, I, I feel like I need to preference all of this so that people don't just like, cause one thing I don't like is when we talk about like targeted keto or whatever, as I'm going to get into, um, not to give it away, but you know, some people talk about that and they don't really put any context. And so 
I don't think they really define the lines of like, Hey, you should try this. If you're experiencing these things, it's kind of, Hey, I'm doing this. And then people try it and they fail miserably and they mm. get upset. Right. And there's like all these things. And so like, I really want to develop the story before I kind of say, Hey, try this. Right. Um, but basically what was happening was I would run. And even if you're running at like a mafetone pace, which is like a fat oxidizing pace, right? Like you're not really like doing glycolysis, you're still depleting some glycogen. And then if you, and then I was strength training. So I would run and then go lift weights, which is extremely glycolytic, right? And so not only is my glycogen being depleted extremely, but my cortisol is pretty high because running is pretty stressful in the body. Mm-hmm. And so, and then my cortisol is even higher because cortisol activates glucagon in the pancreas to create sugar to replenish the glycogen, right? That's how ketogenic athletes are able to replenish or carnivore athletes are able to replenish glycogen as fast as carb-based ones because of that response, but what we were finding was basically what was happening was my body was depleted of glycogen, right? So just for example, like this is not the numbers, but let's say I depleted 500 calories worth of glycogen. Over the course of the day, I might replenish three or 400 of that. And then the next day I would run again and my glycogen wasn't fully topped off. And so it would go mm. from, instead of 500, instead of taking 500, instead of taking me from a thousand calories to 500, it would take me from 800 calories to 300. And then the next day I would do it again. And eventually during like my long run on Saturday, I would hit zero. And when you bonk like that, your central nervous system freaks out. Um, And so I just created this really bad environment. Like I remember it caused a lot of injuries. Like I tore my Achilles, I tore my ab, I tore my hip, I tore, I tore all kinds of muscles. I've had like six injuries since I started running. Um, It was just a really bad environment. Um, and I didn't know what to do. And so I really had two options, right? Cause again, I had tried everything you could think of. Um, and I was like, I either stop running or I got to figure something out. And one of my friends was like, why don't you target some carbs? And the idea behind it was if you give your body a quick source of glycogen replenishment after the run, it's going to bring cortisol levels down and it's going to help you top off before you train again. I said, okay. Um, and so I tried it. And it was crazy. It was crazy. So I didn't change my carb intake, right? I was, I was eating like 30, 40 grams of carbs a day, maybe 50, the most uh, vegetables, right? Salads or fruit or whatever. Um, and so what I did was I took all of those. And instead of doing that, um, I just concentrated that in the form of like a sweet potato, like directly post-workout. Mm. And it was crazy. So I did it. And then two hours later, my blood sugar was 79, which I hadn't seen in months. The first time I did it, I was like, wait, what? And then the next morning, my blood sugar was in the 80s, which is 20 points less average than where I had been. Um, and then two weeks into it, um, I woke up one morning and I was in nutritional ketosis, which I had been like averaging like 0.1, 0.2. So this targeted keto was oxidizing fat better in my body and keeping me better, giving me more stable fasted glucose than strict keto was because of how it was, re- res- because of how it was relating with my hormones. Um, and so basically... I, I mean, I, I've learned to love it and I've played with it a little bit. I've done some experiments on like, is it better to have it at night before the run or post after the run? How many? And what I found was I kind of put a name to it. The diet's called a targeted keto carnivore diet because the idea is like all my carbs, like 95% of the carbs I eat are right after my run. And then the rest of my day is meat and animal fats. I might have some keto brick, but most of it's just, an- so like I'm basically carnivore except for right after my runs. I'll have like sweet potato. If it's a really high demanding day, I might have some like pure maple syrup, but like I don't eat rice. I tried rice once and it went terrible. My gut (laughs) got tore up and I was like, never again, never again. No, no, no grains. Um, But 
you know, I, I like it too, because like, I, I've, I got to try this. And so there have been clients of mine that run and I've been able to help them implement this and it has helped mm-hmm. them so much. But also one thing that I, I decided was I thought back about, you know, before I had tried this, I was always like, you never need carbs ever. I know, I know now that was out of ignorance just because like, and I'm not saying 99% of humans don't need carbs, but there's particular situations where having some can be advantageous for the user. Right. Um, and it varies, right. It's very bio-individual, you know, mostly in endurance athletes, you definitely don't need carbs to build muscle or to be a bodybuilder or any of that. 100% you don't. Um, but I would say you don't need them at all. And I realized, okay, so I need to try this because if I try it and it doesn't work, then at least I can say I tried it and I know it doesn't work. But how can I say you don't need them or they won't be beneficial if I haven't tried it? And I'm so glad I tried it because within, like I have a journal and everything. I have all this data on a spreadsheet. Uh, like my average glu- fasted glucose went from like 100 to like 76. My wow. average ketones went from like 0.1 to 0.4. Right. So like everything improved within three days, my joint pain went away within two weeks. My depressive mood swings went away. Uh, my, my, um, my runs got much better at this point. Um, I'm actually starting to progress again. So, um, I mean, it, it helped a lot. So that's kind of what I'm doing. I know that was a long speech. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's awesome. Now I think that's really cool. And I think it's an important lesson for people to understand that, depending on where you're at, what you're doing, what your goals are, your diet is going to need to be altered a little bit. And and it's not that one diet is better than the other necessarily. I mean, I think we can all agree that, you know, we don't really need the carbs that we're told we need and the grains and the seed oils. I mean, that's a given for in our community. We, We all get that. But within there, there's a lot of room. There's a lot of room and it just depends on what you were doing in your life. What part of life you're at, like a low menopause, eh, and you know, and if you're under a lot of stress, I mean, there you, you need to tweak things. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that you were actually willing to do that. And, you know, it, because when you say stuff like that, sometimes in our community, it's like, oh, you oh, just yeah. said a bad word. Yeah. What do you mean? You know, and it's like, and, and I'm seeing a lot of that lately. So, uh, you know, what, Yes, I'm a carnivore. Okay. But I I also think it's perfectly fine if somebody else finds that certain carbs work for their body, Mm -hmm. as long as they understand that it, you know, what it's doing to them or, you know, whatever. And you, you've done your research, you know, you've tried things. So that that's awesome. There's nothing wrong with that, but yeah, I'm sure you got a little flat for that. Yes. No. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I was scared too. Like when I first like did it, I was like, I'm not going to talk. Cause like I was talking to friends where I was going to try it and I was nervous, but like, I didn't want to give up running. It was either give up running or try this. And I was telling friends and they're like, okay, just don't say anything until after you know it works. Don't say you're trying it. And then afterwards go, this is a fail. If it doesn't work, just don't say anything. <laughs> and, but if it works, tell people, cause it might help them. And it, it worked. So I told people cause it might help them, but I definitely, I was definitely nervous um, and you know, but it is, it, you made a good point. Cause I think one of the things right now is people are going back to carbs in the community, but they're not going, they're not doing what I did, right? Like I'm doing, I'm still staying under 50 grams of carbs, uh, uh average. I'm still eating less than 10% carbs. My diet's still 65, 70% fat. Like I'm eating a ketogenic diet. It's just the timing and the source of the carbs is different to help balance my hormonal equation. Really. I'm still fat fueled. I'm still fat based. I'm still in nutritional ketosis most of the day. 
Um, so none of that's really changed. I'm still meat based, right? Meat and fat are king, uh, bottom line, right? Uh, I think we could all agree on that. But a lot of people like they go back to carbs, quote unquote, and they just end up like going like 300 grams. Let me go back to sugar and, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was kind of, I was worried about my bulimia getting triggered. That was another thing that was scary. But I, when I had that, it was something weird happened. When I had the sweet potato, I actually, I, I, I've stopped eating keto treats. I don't even eat keto treats as often. Like my, my, my craving for sweets is like non-existent now. It's super weird. Um, and so I don't know. Yeah. And, and again, like I, you're right. I did do a lot of studying. Like I know that sweet potatoes and acorn squash, which are my two bases, um, they're the least in phytonutrients and, uh, um, um, and, and like, 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 uh, and lectins, like they don't, they have the least amount of all of those. So I made sure that if I was going to do it, it was from something I could trust something that was as clean as possible. Right. And I was using it, um, uh, um, you know, appropriately. I mean, I wasn't being irresponsible or abusing it, uh, or I was going to pull back. And so, so far it's worked out well. That's awesome. I, I'm happy to hear that. And, and I really love how people, you know, figure out what works for their bodies, mm-hmm. not what it works for somebody else's body. Because I think, too many people, they just want, just tell me what to eat. Just, just, Mm -hmm. just give me a plan. Tell me what to eat. Well, my approach uh, as a coach is okay. Well, let's, let's talk about this a little bit. And it's, it's not there. There's, you can start at a base. I mean, you can have a base, but it's their responsibility to figure out what works for their bodies because I'm not inside their bodies. I can just kind of help and guide them and, you know, kind of uh, troubleshoot. But beyond that, you have to experiment. You have to figure out what works for your body at, at that point in time, because tomorrow may be a different story, you know, and you may have to readjust. And plus with your goals, like with you, with your running, I mean, it's so, so important. Yeah. No, one percent. Yeah, no one percent. Okay. Bioindividuality so, is king. Yes, exactly. That was kind of my whole point with all that jibber jabber. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So let's get in a little bit about what exactly is a functional nutritional uh, therapy practitioner. Mm-hmm. What what do they do, and what is your approach? Like like how are you using that? Yeah. So I'm a I'm a FNTP. Um, I would say I specialize in. Um, helping people lose weight and maintain, uh, and also develop healthy lifestyle management with eating disorders and body dysmorphia. That would definitely be my practice. Um, if, if that's what I can call it, uh, it's, there's a little bit of like gray lines. Cause like, I'm not licensedly medic, mm-hmm. like I'm not medically licensed. I'm just clinically certified. So there's like lines of like saying practice and you know, diagnosing and things like that. But I would say that's the majority of what I work with. Um, people that struggle with eating disorders, disordered view of food, and then also body dysmorphia and helping them develop those long-term habits. Cause you know, weight loss, obviously, you know, plays a part into like sustaining weight loss that all plays a part into it. Uh, but actual nutritional therapy, it's core is uh, just like using food to treat symptoms or not even treat, but to alleviate symptoms that could be possibly caused by a diagnosis, right? So looking at someone's symptoms and going, oh, those look like symptoms of possible thyroid dysfunction. Let's try these foods and let's see if we can alleviate these symptoms, right? So like, let's not try to treat the disease. Let's not diagnose you, but it's, oh, you look like you have signs of having hypothyroidism. You might or might not. Let's use these foods and let's say if we can alleviate these symptoms. Um, and so it's just a, 
more naturopathic way of attacking food. And we do it based off a premise of these five foundations, which are um, blood sugar regulation, digestion, fatty acid, vitamin and mineral balance. Um, and, oh, wait, is that it? Yeah, that's five. Okay. <laughs> um, I always, I always, I always try to make sure I say them all. Yeah. So it's a, it's a digestion, blood sugar regulation, fatty acid, vitamins and minerals and hydration. Um, and so those are the five bases. And then, you know, we, we, we look at how those affect the immune system, cardiovascular system, endocrine function. So like when I went to school, I learned about everything, like, which is really weird because now when I see people, like, I remember when I saw people like eat like flour, white flour based cake, right? Like I remember I would watch somebody eat that when I was just keto before school and I would go, Oh, that's bad for you. It spikes blood sugar. Right. But like now I watch somebody eat something like that. And like, I know what it does to their cell membranes, their mitochondrial function. Like I, I, I see it all happening in like real time. And I'm like, no, you know, so like uh, it, it's, it's, it's one of those ignorance is, is a negative form of bliss, you know, cause like it's bliss, but it's kind of like, you should probably should know these things, but yeah. So um, basically what we do is we use those five foundations to alleviate symptoms of possible issues that could be arising um, through using food and lifestyle management. And that's basically what I've been trained to do. And all I, I have classmates that I love them to death and we're all best friends, but like we just, we, we defer on things. Like some of them don't think keto, no human should ever do keto. Uh, and then mm -hmm. other ones, you know, but they all, we all, look, we all come from those five foundations and we're all focused mm -hmm. on helping people work from those five foundations and heal their body. And so it's cool because it's, it's a foundational practice and learning um, experience, but you can take it and you can, you can funnel it into your niche and your thought process, which mine is, you know, a, a fat metabolizing ketogenic based diet. And then how it becomes bio individualized for each of my clients really varies based on, you know, their fat needs, their hormone needs, their endocrine needs, their blood sugar needs. And, you know, we go from there. Yeah, I love that. And like I was talking earlier, I'm really seriously considering heading in that direction and may start school in um, February. So that's kind of my plan so far, but everything I hear about it and now, you know, talking with you a yeah. little bit more, I'm thinking that's a really good direction to go. And I, I wish more people would do that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I, I love it because it really helped me understand. Like, so for instance, um, when I got invited to talk at KetoCon before it became KetoCon Online last year, um, I mean, I still talked on KetoCon Online, but I remember like when I was going to talk, I had just started school and I wanted to talk about body dysmorphia and I realized that, you know, it's the stories and science. And so I wanted to get a little bit nerdy with like the, uh, the gut and the brain and how all of nutrition up impacts the foundational hormones that allow us to feel good and how that, how that, you know, uh, correlates with body dysmorphia, depression, you know, cause they're kind of cousin disorders. People, a lot of people don't know that, but they're kind of cousin disorders, which we can get into why if you want to, but um, basically school helped me understand the biology behind the mental disorder that I struggled with. And that was crazy. And so it's really helped me because now when I have a client that has a disordered view of themselves or a disordered view of food, it's not just, Hey, let me give you keto macros. It's okay. I'm going to give you a food list. And I want you to eat these fermented foods three times a week. I want you to take this, this, and this, and this supplement. I want you to do grounding 10 times for 10 minutes, five times a week. Like I know, practices that they can implement into their life that is going to help them have an overall better holistic healthy approach to their diet and health and that's another thing that school really helped me develop was and that's kind of why I changed my name from like some of my platforms are still the keto road because I still feel like fat metabolism is king and so you build this road on this ketone on these ketones right this road of life but at the same time a reason why I kind of changed it to coach John 
was because I wanted people to come to me to adopt holistic health, right? This idea of like, it's not just about the macros, but it's, you know, are they catering towards your mood, towards the way that you feel, the way you function? How do you feel about yourself? Because I truly believe that for weight loss to be sustainable and for, you know, for health to be sustainable, it has to, every facet of it, spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, all of that has to come together. And school really helped emphasize and reinforce that that was the right way to go for me. Okay, so this is kind of one of my questions and it kind of feeds in directly with this and you kind of answered a little bit, but okay. So we have uh, the school of thought of if it fits your macros, what is your thought on that? I've, I, I made a post the other day and I totally got like some of my friends like put uh, po- uh, police emojis on it for like being the keto police and I'm fine with that. I'm sorry, I do have a strong opinion. I think that- if we okay so why do people go from it fits your macros to keto it's because if it fit your macros sucks it's because a lot of people have eating disorders all it does is try to entice you to eat a controlled amount of foods that make you feel out of control which is stupid um you know and obviously it's like you know people are like you know some of the big picture people in the eating disorder world like you shouldn't restrict and they're Restriction and empowerment are perspectives, not realities. And what I mean by that is that if I choose to eat keto, you can either go, oh, I'm restricted. I can't eat rice. Or you can go, I'm empowering myself to choose not to eat rice. Yes. Right? So like, yeah. So like, like, like empowerment and restriction are perspectives, not the reality, right? The reality is just you're, you're not eating that food. Now, whether you decide to look at it as I'm being told I can't or I'm choosing not to is completely up to you. Um, and so I think that that's poppycock. But anyways, (laughs) uh, I know I have weird slang words. It's fine. Uh, But, you know, if it fits your macros, sucks for a lot of people that struggle with eating disorders and control of food. Um, And so we don't do it because going to keto helps helps stabilize blood sugars. Also, it tends to help with mood. Why? Because it's better for you than the foods that people eat with if it fits your macros. So really, if we're just trying to fit the macros on keto, it's not any different than if it fits your macros. That's exactly what you're still doing. And I get it, like hitting the macros and hitting the macro ratios. And again, like another big one for keto is like, as long as it doesn't kick you out of ketosis. And I'm like, yes, because like, especially, and maybe that's why people, because I've had like a lot of people unfollow me lately and which I don't really care. (laughs) Like if you don't want to stay bye, right. Bye Felicia. Um, But like, I think it's because like, I am against the whole idea that just because it keeps you in 0.5, cause let's, we can talk about that. Mm. Not everybody even hits 0.5 depending mm-hmm. on uh, biology. So if you don't hit 0.5 and you're doing keto, don't let people tell you you're not doing it right. They can shut up. Um, <laughs> but like, it's, 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 it's kind of like, what about like, for instance, I put up a post about Bisquick and carb quick, right? Literally carb quick has more wheat in it than Bisquick. But yeah, because it's fiber, it's keto friendly. That is the most ignorant, stupid thing. But what's sad is that a lot of people, and there are a lot of, there are a good handful of people in the space that preach that this stuff is still disgusting. But a lot of the big influencers don't because they want to be able to eat this stuff. And so they're not going to validate that it's bad because if they do, then they have to not eat it. Um, And so that happens a lot. And so we empower these companies to keep making these crap foods. We like people don't understand how capitalism works. We are the consumer. If we decide not to eat something, even if they put keto friendly on it, because it has wheat gluten in it and we empower ourselves to choose not to fund that food, they will stop making it and they will try to come out with a healthier version. 
to try and make us happy. We control all of that. And we don't seem to understand that we have that power. And so we just buy what we buy and we don't understand that we're feeding these people the idea that these foods are okay and they're not because, okay, yes, it doesn't spike your blood sugar, but what is it doing to your gut microbiome? What is it doing to your endocrine system? What is it doing to your libido? What is it doing to your thyroid? Um, I know of things where like, so understand, so for instance, I'm getting kind of nerdy here, but like if you have really bad omega-6s in your body, it can really disrupt the integrity of the cell membrane. And so it can make it too rigid. And so things can pass through or not pass through uh, very well. Mm -hmm. And so like, let's say that it's too solid. Let's say the structure is too tight and things can't get into the cell due to inflammation or whatever that can come with omega-6s and rancid fat and vegetable oils. So what can happen is your thyroid's functioning great, but the T4, that's the metabolized version of the T3 can't get into the cell. And so that's called cellular hypothyroidism. And so even though the thyroid's producing great, your mm -hmm. cells can't use the thyroid. Uh, it's just floating in the blood. So you can like get like blood tests and your thyroid looks fine, but your cells mm. can't absorb it. And so you're still like not losing weight. You're having all these issues. And literally it could, because even though you're on keto and your blood sugar is fine, you're eating all these foods that are inflaming your cell membranes. And so you can't metabolize thyroid hormones like you should like literally that can happen but people don't think like that they just think oh it's you know but then they're not losing weight and here's the thing that sucks is that okay yeah there's like those oh yeah, I'm, not, I'm ranting now there's like those 30 or 40 percent people that can eat these things and lose weight and that's great mm -hmm. but what about the other 60 that can't and they decide keto is not for them and then you go you know what keto is not for everybody when if they would just do it the right way if you were promoting it the right way not only would they stay but they would see success long term but because you know, this influencer doesn't want to give up this food and they want to, you know, go by this ideology. They kind of feed this rhetoric. And then when that person tries it and it doesn't work, they, instead of maybe thinking about the fact that those foods aren't good for you, they go, Oh, I guess keto is not for you. You should try something else. You'll be fine. Um, and so like, I don't know, it's just, it's just like this vicious circle. So yeah, just if it fits your macros, I think it's poppycock. I think that you know, and so that's one thing that I love, like about like Robert Sykes, right? Like, like he has a very, you know, you know, low, low total carbs. And I totally respect that. And I definitely think there's a place for that. And some humans thrive. I know I do. I know from a therapeutic standpoint, I thrive off of 80% fat. Like if I really want to like, if I like super inflammation, I just can't deal with it. 80% fat for a little while. If I'm not running, if I'm not like creating that stress um, works great. Right. But like, he doesn't, it's not just about the rackers for him, right? Like he eats steak, butter, keto bricks, right? Like he eats whole, good, well-sourced foods. And, you know, Danny Vega is another one. He cycles in carbs, but it's always, you know, meat-based, right? Just like me. Like, I, I definitely follow more of like a Danny Vega diet now. I should have just said that. I eat like Danny Vega. <laughs> um, but like, you know, meat-based, fat, whole foods, right? Like he doesn't play around with all this garbage. Um, but so many people do because they're trying to make it just fit their macros. And it's so detrimental to everything outside of blood sugar. So, uh, uh. <laughs> I know that that gets to me too. And, and, and like so many people talk about how, oh, well, like uh, Weight Watchers is such an awesome diet program because you can have whatever you want. Okay, sure. I, I lost weight four different times, 80 to 100 pounds doing Weight Watchers. Yes, it works. Sure. I could do the same thing eating candy bars. Does it make it good for your body? Does it improve your health? And, you know, now that my eyes have been open, I can't shut them anymore, you know? And so when I see stuff like that, I'm just like, oh, no, no. I mean, yes, you can lose weight. If that is your only goal and you do not care about your body or your health, and you're just only concerned about the outside, 
yeah, just just have a thousand calories of a candy bar a day. I mean, you know. You're getting, me, you're getting me hot here. Like, I can get a tangent about abs don't equal health. That's a big thing. And I think that's something people don't like me talking about either because men don't like to hear that. They don't like to hear that getting a six pack might be unattainable for them. And that's actually an okay thing, right? Or like they can get it, but they're not going to keep it. And that's like, like, they don't want to hear that. They want it. They want the guy that's ripped to go, you can maintain 10% body fat on keto. This is how you do it, right? Like, and they don't talk about the fact genetics come into play, genetic disposition of fat cells. Um, and not to say that, like, not to say that, like, you can't be lean, you can't be 15% body fat, or a woman can't be 20% body fat and be healthy, but that's not 10. There's a big difference between 15 and 10% body fat and the way that it affects individual humans' hormones, their ability to function, their ability to think, their ability to secrete thyroid and leptin. Like, oh, like, it, it, it's crazy how much. And again, you know, it's just how people are visual, right? And sex sells. And so like you post mm -hmm. a photo of you having abs and it's like, oh, wow, he should be somebody to listen to. And I go, you know, I post a picture of, of, of some extra chub and I'm like, listen, like this is me when I'm not trying to be lean because this is just, you know, being human. And they're like, ew, you know, and it's like, like, dude, this is how you should be. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like a whole thing. I know. Oh, yeah. I know it, it is very uh, frustrating, but I mean, I was in that aesthetic world too, where I believe that, um, not that I was ever like that, but, uh, my body was not genetically disposed so, you know, to be yeah. that way, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, but I see it all the time and I've had multiple guests on and they've talked about what it costs to look like that, that mm -hmm. what we perceive as oh, being yeah. healthy, which in fact was not healthy because you're factoring in what they're doing to their body, how they had to, what they had to do to get there. Mm -hmm. um, the eating disorders and uh, other disorders that, that go on along with that, it just kind of happens. And, and it's, it's not just isolated. This is widespread through, you know, like bodybuilding and uh, the figure competitions and stuff like that. So. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. I can, I've prepped, I've prepped for two bodybuilding competitions and the, the place that you have to go to get that lean. And granted, I only got to like 8% body fat, 9%. I wasn't even like, you know, that five, four freaky looking stuff. Like the place that you have to go in your head and like mentally to get to that point is not, is not okay for the average human. And, and not to say that, like, I'm not telling like men that haven't done it that, Oh, you're not tough enough to do it, but it takes another level of, of grit that uh, not, not, not all humans have. And you don't, definitely not something that you should maintain, even if you do have that level of grit. But yeah, I put, a lot of people, I've had a couple of friends recently that have leaned out um, to that point and they've been like, dude, they, it's their first time. And they're like, bro, I cannot believe you, you, you did this. You're insane. And I'm like, well, imagine it holding those calories for four more weeks. Cause you got to get on stage, dude. And he's like, dude, I couldn't even, and I'm like, yeah, like it's, it's people don't understand what it takes. And, and yeah, so I think if they did, they would understand how unhealthy it really is. And they would mm -hmm. realize that there's a healthier version of them. That's happy. And like, you know, what are your real goals? Are your real goals to really get abs or do the abs make you feel like you can do your real goals, right? So like, are you, is your real goal to get lean or is your real goal to like run around with your friends and kids and you feel like if you have abs, it showcases that you can do that better because that's just not the fact. It's just not the truth, right? Like who cares? Like if you can run around with your kids and keep up with them, then like, and that's your goal, 
who cares if you have abs with it? I mean, I know it's hard because every man wants to, I mean, if you want to experience that once, just see if you have like the toughness to do it by all means. But I think having a broader, <laughs> healthier, ter- like vision of like what health really is in your own life um, is huge. And I really try to help my clients develop that. Cause a lot of them, they struggle with like women and men like, Oh, I need to be this certain weight. And I'm like, but why? And they're like, cause I just feel healthier. And I'm like, but are you healthier? Look at your blood. Look at, look at what you're able to do. You're an extremely healthy individual. Why does having this weight on the scale dictate whether you're healthy, especially like, like, like look at your hormone levels. There's like, they're like perfect right now. What if you got down to those 10 pounds and your hormones tanked? What would you do then? Would you be okay with that? And they'd be like, no, I trick my horn. Like, well, what if you had to gain the weight to get the hormones back up? Because your body will regulate based off of body fat too. That plays a role. Um, and so it's like, you know, what really is health? And I don't think a lot of people take time to, a lot of humans will take time to wrap their minds around that. And then on the, also on the other end, even if they decide not to try and do that themselves, a lot of people, when they hire a coach, that coach does not take time to explain that side of things, which is why like, you know, uh, with my company, me and Mike Gourmet, you know, Gourmet, um, mm-hmm, Gourmet, you love really- him. Yeah, we really try to promote that we're holistic health coaches. Like I used to be a ketogenic weight loss coach and I still am, but I'm all about, I, w- I want to teach people the broader view of things. I want to help you keep this weight off and be happy with yourself, yes. you know? Yes. And that's exactly where I've evolved to. And that's why you don't see as often. I used to post a lot of before, after, you know, for inspiration, et cetera, like that. But I just feel like we tend to focus way too much on aesthetics. And just because you see a before and an after, I have lots of before and afters from other diets too, okay? And does that mean that I was healthy in the after? I'm gonna tell you I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I am now, but if you just look at the pictures, you're gonna go, oh, wow, you look good. Well, yeah, yeah. I did, I did. But you know what? what I had to do to keep looking that way was eating a complete crap diet and continually getting worse uh, health-wise and my hormones were, you know, wackadoodle. And so what, what is the point of looking so hot if, if you're so unhealthy and you can't maintain it anyway? I never was able to maintain that way. Mm-hmm. you know? And so I've kind of backed away a little bit from showing as much, you know, before, after kind of stuff. I just, I don't know. I just feel like we need to focus more on like what you're saying, the overall health and, you know, what, what can you do day to day versus, okay, you get up on the stage and you look like this kind of thing, which I'm not dissing that by any mm-hmm. means. Um, cause I, I have a lot of respect for that cause I sure couldn't do it, but I wouldn't want to do it. Let me put it that way. Maybe I could, but I would not want to do yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, what you have to do. <laughs> well, okay. So we're coming down to time, but would you like to, uh, leave, a, a bit of advice or anything you we didn't get to touch on that you wanted to yeah I think if I could okay I guess I'll go with like one of those like if I could say anything to anybody that's watching this right now um it would be to like don't be satisfied like never settle like I say that a lot like I have like it's like my, my quote at the end of my post like never settle and that that term while it just sounds like I'm trying to be cool it means a lot to me right because I think that oftentimes we settle for, you know, that person's idea of a physique or diet. And so we just chase that and, or we settle for this or we settle for that, or like we settle with just losing the weight and we don't work on our inner self, right? We don't work on that, like who our identity, our purpose, right? And so I just feel like you'll never be perfect in this life. You just won't be. Um, you're always going to have imperfections until you die. Um, and so, you know, 
realize that and realize that that take an opportunity, have perspective here and realize that that means that you always have room to grow. Right. And so like mm-hmm. never settle on your health, never settle on your goals, never settle on anything. Like keep striving to be the best you, you can possibly be um, in every facet, not just like being lean or being this, right. Cause we get hyper-focused, but in a broad sense, look at your entire life in every facet and go, how can I be the best me in all of these things at the same time and, and pursue that goal and never be satisfied with anything less. I love that. That's perfect. Great ending, Jonathan. I love it. Well, it has been a pleasure having you on and thank you so much for sharing your story. I know some things are kind of uh, still, you know, hurtful to some degree, but to see where you've come and where you are now, I'm, I'm so happy for you. And I, I don't know, I'm, I'm inspired. I'm happy. Uh, it just gives me a lot of joy to, to see somebody, you know, really uh, evolve, I guess you would say. And, you know, yeah, all that good stuff. So yeah. well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. It's, some of it's sensitive, but I've gotten so used to talking about my past. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's just whatever, like, you know, cause I know it's going to help somebody. And so every time, no matter how awkward one conversation or one thing might be, if it makes somebody else have a light bulb moment and it changes their life, totally worth it. I agree. And most of the time I'm pretty good too, but every so often there'll be something that kind of sneaks up and bites me right in the butt. And I'm like, Ooh, I think I'm a little sensitive still there. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I thought I was good. Ooh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It happens, but you know, that that, that's growth. That's, you know, like you said, you always got to be working on getting better and improving and, you know, that kind of thing. So it's all good. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on and y'all subscribe to my channel and go follow Jonathan. I'll have all his information below. And again, it was a pleasure. Thanks so much, Jonathan.